The Colonized Food Part 1 Ingredients The same ingredients that are perceived as luxurious, interesting, and important parts of their cultures in the hands of the colonizer are perceived as smelly, weird, ugly, exotic, and cheap in the hands of the colonized. The same spices that were brought to Europe hundreds of years ago and were the pride and joy of this continent are understood as foreign when they're not in the hands of so-called brave white explorers. The nutmeg that is used by the colonizer is not the same nutmeg that is used by the colonized. The old spice that is used by the colonizer is not the same old spice that is used by the colonized. The cloves that are used by the colonizer are not the same cloves that are used by the colonized. The cinnamon that is used by the colonizer is not the same cinnamon that is used by the colonized. The mangoes, bananas, tea, black pepper, coffee, avocados, tomatoes, quinoa, peppers, they change their value depending on the hands where they come from. Even within ingredients, borders are kept because the colonized other must stay away. Colonialism and the white gaze exist in the way we see food. The idea of an exchange can't be because it will make both worlds come closer. That the colonized is human, therefore has history, can create and has something to tell. Colonialism doesn't allow that. It needs to consume the exotified other, destroying country's natural resources in order to get avocados, quinoa, and bananas. Ingredients tell us stories about imposing, taking, borrowing, mixing, creating, destroying. The same potato that was brought to Europe by the brave white explorer has been transformed into a symbol of European culture and identity, but it will never be perceived as if Peru introduced potatoes to Europe. The culinary exchange is always contingent upon the conditions of the colonizer. To this present day, that practice still happens. For example, if white people like avocados so much, why don't they go to the African shops in their cities and buy them? Because the avocados, bananas, beans, quinoa, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, cloves, bananas, potatoes, cilantro, parsley, that are sold at diaspora supermarkets, are not perceived as the same quality as the ones sold in big supermarket chains. The real thing can only come from white hands. With agency for the colonized comes real sharing, honest appreciation, and fair exchanges. The Colonized Food Part 2 Recipes
Food traditions versus cuisine. Gourmet food versus ethnic food. What is the difference between them? Is it about the ingredients used? The spices combination? The complexity of the recipes? Is it about the type of utensils used? Is it about which techniques are implemented? Or is it about the hands that cook? The hands that cook. The hands that pick the ingredients. The hands that experiment. The hands that bring and manipulate. French and Italian foods, for example, are not ethnic. They are cuisines. They are elegant, complex, fragrant, sophisticated. Even when they are simple, they are appreciated in that way. Ethnic food, on the other hand, is a code term for non-white cuisine. Ethnic food equals cheap, worse, smelly. The imperial hands, the imperialist nostalgia of a world that was promised for the white colonizer, a world that is there to be devoured by the colonizer, a world whose existence is contingent upon the division and division of the colonizer, a world full of promises of power, seduction, fantasy, and spices. The hands that create, the hands that mix, the hands that explore. When the white chefs ventures into ethnic food territory and reinterprets them, they are fusion and interesting. Culinary traditions that were once object of shame and ridicule, when cooked by non-white hands, become fashionable and trending food from foreign cultures. The original non-white cooks are never afforded the appreciation for their own cuisines. Foreign cuisine needs to be whitewashed and homogenized in order to be appreciated as elevated and trendy. In this colonial post-colonial world, the colonizer will always be the explorer, the teacher, the one who sets trends, the one who determines the value and position of things in society. White people are chefs. The rest are only cooks. The human hands, the hands of the other, the powerful hands, the powerless hands, the hands that move the elevated dining label around. Who can access the expensive culinary schools? Who can access the spaces? The way we perceive food is also a reflection of the power relationships and racist structures in society. It is a combination or recipe, if you will, of perceptions, colonialism, imperialist nostalgia, and agency. The Colonized Food Part 3 Fusion Food Caribbean food is complex, diverse, interesting, 
delicious, full of nuances, influences, and history. Each Caribbean country has its own delightful culinary universe, even though they might share common elements and experiences. But in order to be appreciated as anything other than simple ethnic food, it has to be presented as modern Caribbean food, clean Caribbean food, or Caribbean fusion in order to be appreciated the same way French cuisine is, for example. Ethnic food is a label that equals simple, low quality, and smelly. The concept fusion food as elegant, elevated, and refined is a construct built on ideas about cultures, groups, and social and racial structures in society. The white cook can create fusion food is a cultural connoisseur, which is an extension of the colonial idea of the white explorer. Fusion in cooking is more common than what we think. Fusion is part of cultures and cuisines. Cultures change, move, transform, learn. Humans also change, make, move, transform, and learn. In a molecular level, there are no borders in food, but the appropriation of the word fusion is a way to keep borders in something that should be a fun and fair exchange of culinary knowledge. There can be sharing if the parties involved see each other as equals. Fusion cuisine is not about sharing. Fusion cuisine is not about recognizing the other party's agency and complexity. White chefs are the only ones allowed to create fusion food due to the fact that in a post-colonial world, fusion food is about power because it's not only about the agency, but also about the authority that is being given by not only colonial structures, but also by the structures that are created by the white Western culinary world, which only validates the perspective of the white chef. White chefs get to do fusion food all the time. White chefs get to take ethnic culinary traditions and do with them whatever they want. Instead of making them more interesting, embracing ingredients or adapting themselves to such ingredients, they make bland and generic versions for easy consumption for the white Western customers. On the other hand, non-white chefs are hardly allowed to create fusion food in the white Western restaurant industry or to experiment with their own culinary traditions. And even when they do fusion, they're often not perceived the same way as white chefs can also be perceived. But why? Because ethnic food is only valid when it's pure, but fusion food is always valued and fancy and cool as long as it comes from white hands, of course. In this context, 
pure equals primitive. It equals that a non-white cook is incapable of having anything to bring or to create in the culinary world. This idea is an extension of that agency would always be foreign to colonized bodies. The same way we colonize people have no agency over our territories, traditions, resources, cultures, and language, we cannot have agency in the white Western culinary world. We must fit into the stereotypes which come from a colonial order. If we take an influence from somewhere else, it's considered degenerate. We are accused of abandoning our culture. But regardless of all the racist mess fusion food and the idea of the white cook as a milestone in the culinary world as the perfect chef are, the weight of this post-colonial world can't take us down. We will still cook however we want, we will still bring our culinary traditions wherever we go, we will still learn, create, and transform. Our food will always be delicious, exciting, fragrant, complex, and flavorful. Because something the white gaze can't take away from us, colonized people, is our resilience and our indulgence for delicious food. The Colonized Food Part 4 The Colonize Everything Food is part of our everyday lives. Not only because of the nutrients, but also because it's part of our cultures, social interactions, events, pleasure, traditions, and even guilt. Food changes, food moves around, food evolves, and food even disappears. Since food, it's part of our everyday lives. The way we perceive food is also contingent upon our own worldview. Sometimes, some culinary traditions are valued not because of the quality of the ingredients, the complexities of the recipes, or the flavor, but they are valued because of the position of those traditions in a post-colonial slash colonial world. But why? Because of the hands that cook the dishes. Food needs to be decolonized, like everything in this world. The way we see food needs to be decolonized. But what is to decolonize? To decolonize is the political action of reclaiming what was violently taken away from colonized people. How can we decolonize food? When the system is rotten to its core, imperialist, colonial exploitation in the whole process, how immigrants, farmers, and field workers are treated in the white Western world, how the natural resources 
in the global south are relentlessly destroyed. How can we decolonize when the colonized person is not a subject but an object that is constantly instrumentalized, dehumanized, and exploited? The colonized hands are human hands. They create, transform, tell stories, have a history. The colonized hands, humanity, has been stolen from them. That's what we want to reclaim, that humanity that's been stolen. But how can we decolonize? To decolonize is to bring justice, to take that humanity and agency that was stolen from us, to never stop that pursuit for justice, reaffirmation, and love. When and where is decolonization happening? It is happening when anti-colonial discussions are happening, when we actively pursue justice. Justice is a concrete goal. It is as real and concrete as these hands that create, touch, and transform. Can the colonization happen in the way we treat food? The colonization is happening, and it will keep happening. The colonization hasn't stopped, and it will not stop, because everything needs to be decolonized, including food. In collaboration with the exhibition 3.5% Our Boys, Our Gays, this is the audio of a series of videos where we will decolonize food together by starting a discussion and challenging how food is seen as an extension of colonial values and power. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the different videos in this episode on Mango Podcast YouTube channel where you can learn how to prepare delicious Dominican recipes as well. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share. Mango Podcast is on Facebook, Instagram, and is also on YouTube, as I mentioned before, as well as it is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most podcast platforms. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I see you next time.